Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 244. Today, I want to talk to you about the main thing. Now, when I say that, many Baptists, many evangelicals, especially those on the conservative side, will say, he's going to talk to us about soul winning. Well, no, I'm not. I'm going to talk to you about something that is beyond that. I want to talk to you about love. A thing that there's just too little of, as Jackie DeShannon said back in 1969. You see, the Bible says the most important thing you and I can do is love God with the totality of our being, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And then, secondly, to love others. Now, that's an amazing thing. Discipleship is on down the road from that. Why? Because love is extremely personal, but it is not private. I want to speak to you today about love in context, true love, not erao, not erotic kind of love, not even phileo, not storgeo. I want to talk to you about agapao. Yes, I use the verb form agapao because love is more than just a noun, a quality. It is action. It is who you are. It is serving, giving. It is action in every sense of the word. Paul put it in context in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And that's interesting that the Corinthians were doing nothing right. When Paul wrote back to them about questions they were asking, it is incredible that they were doing nothing right. And when it came to the thing that they prided themselves the most in, speaking gifts, that is speaking in the biblical gift of tongues, it's debatable as to whether that's actually what they were doing because the supernatural gift of tongues, the only clear path passage we have on that in the Bible where it is delineated what it is without equivocation, without any kind of debate at all, is in Acts chapter 2. And the supernatural gift of tongues at Pentecost was the supernatural endowment, the supernatural enablement to be able to speak a known language, a dialectos, not just a glossa, not just a English, but a dialectos, Appalachian English, Southern English, if you will. In other words, it's peculiar to a region, a language that you've never studied, a dialect that you've never studied. To just supernaturally be able to fluently speak that, that takes the gift of the New Testament, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it was given as a sign for unbelievers. Now, all of this comes right out of the Bible. The disciples on the day of Pentecost were not speaking gibberish except to those whose language they were not speaking to. But there were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, should I go on? You know the passage in Acts chapter 2. And by the way, when I speak to you in these podcasts, I have no notes before me, only a Bible when I'm speaking out of the Bible. These are the overflow of my hearts and of 46 years of Bible study and walking with God. Some of you who are listening to this have actually been with me when I've recorded them. And I just have a microphone and uh, the podcaster, the road podcaster right in front of me. And I am just speaking out of the overflow of my heart with the Bible in my hand. Now, what I'm saying to you is the context of love in 1 Corinthians 
whatever they were doing, if it's the New Testament gift of tongues, there's not two or three New Testament gifts of tongues. There's one. And it's the supernatural endowment, the supernatural ability to speak a known dialect, a language that you've never previously studied. Now, that's the only clear passage we have in the Word of God that says specifically what it was. So all of the passages related to tongues have to be the same gift. Because the Apostle Peter said, they, talking about the Gentiles in Caesarea Maritime, they had the same gift as us. Are you telling me that the Corinthians, all of a sudden, God gave another gift of tongues? Well, I don't think so. No, it's the supernatural ability to speak a known language or dialect that you've never previously studied. A real language. And so people can debate this all they want to, but here is the issue that I want to deal with is not to get into the controversial gift of tongues, which is not a controversy at all, but how we operate within the gifts. You see, the more gifted the individual and the more gifted the congregation, the more those gifts have to be exercised within the atmosphere of unconditional agape love. You see, otherwise you turn out like the Corinthians. What we forget often is we read a passage or we read a verse and we take that and it becomes a proof text. Why? Because it's out of context. Paul was answering questions about the practices of the Corinthians. And they were doing everything wrong, including how they were operating in the gift of speaking, of prophecy. And so the Bible lays out in what we call 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, the supernatural gift of tongues and how it's to operate within the local assembly. Yes, that's right, within the local assembly. Because you see, gifts are not for private enjoyment. As our friend Adrian Rogers used to say, God doesn't give us gifts for enjoyment, but for employment. Not as toys, but as tools. Always the gifts of the Spirit is to build up the body of Christ, not the individual. It's not about us. No, that's a Western concept of individuality that's not given in the Scriptures. Once we're saved, we don't belong to us. It's not about us anymore. And so 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is all one passage. Remember, there were no chapter or verse divisions. This is all one passage talking about one subject, and that is the speaking gifts and how they are to operate and the atmosphere in which they are to operate, which is the atmosphere of unconditional love. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13, when taken by itself outside of this context, can be greatly misused and abused. Now, is the principle true? Yes. Well, let's read and see what I'm talking about. Paul said, though I speak with tongues of men and of angels. Why would he say that? Whether it is an earthly language or, quote, one that angels would speak, as the Corinthians were saying, but have not agape, I have become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. You see, there is something more important than the gifts. It's the atmosphere in which they operate. And though I have the gift of prophecy, that is of speaking forth the word of God, not foretelling the future, and understand all mysterion, that's right, all mysteries, and all knowledge, he's saying love is the atmosphere in which the gift of prophecy, speaking in any tongue or anything else, any language, whether it be earthly or, quote, heavenly, end quote, it is to operate within the atmosphere of love, unconditional love. And though I can understand all mysteries, those hidden things of God that have now been made known, and have all knowledge, though I'm a great Bible scholar, you might say, and the Bible says if you don't have love, then what does it profit you? 
Though I have faith to say I can remove mountains, but I have not love, agape, I am nothing. It amounts to nothing before God. And who are we doing this for? Who are we serving? How are we operating? Well, it's got to be for Him. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I'm generous and have a gift of giving and love to give, and though I give my very body to be burned as a martyreo, as a witness, and have not love, it doesn't profit me anything. You see, love is the main thing in the Christian life. I have marveled as I have now traveled across America for these last almost five decades and have seen in my own life and in the lives of many of my colleagues such a lack of love for people. Let me just tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, sister. Whatever and whoever you think you are, whoever I think I am, if we think we can preach the stars down and we can understand all mysteries and we have all of these stories about giving, If our lives are not saturated with love of God and love of our brethren, it profits absolutely nothing. In other words, it's going nowhere. The skies will be brass. Verily, truly, amen, we have our rewards. And I say to men all the time, do you really love people? If you don't love people, then you don't love God. If you don't love God, then get out of the ministry. If you don't love people, if you're getting out there as quickly as you can because you don't want to fellowship with your people, if you think you are so high and mighty that you can't stand down front, listen, I stood beside W.A. Crystal in the altar call, in the invitation, Time after time, Sunday after Sunday, I stood right beside of him. I was one of those counselors that was on staff that was right beside of him. W.A. Criswell, after people would come to him at the end of the service, he would stick around for 15 or 20 minutes. If it was the last service, for sure. If it was between services, he would stay as long as he could. And that was, at that time, the largest Southern Baptist church in the world. But he made time. Listen to me. If you're listening to this and you're a pastor and you can't wait to get away from your people, you need to consider, has God called you to ministry? Has God called you to preach the gospel? And you say you are too important to hang around with the common folks? God help us. We are training CEOs instead of servants. The Bible says the one that will be the greatest among you will be the servant of all. You can't serve people without loving them. And part of that serving people is talking to them, having fellowship with them. If you're just hanging around with you and your staff, look, you're in a world no different than that inside the Beltway in Washington. You need to get outside of that bubble and begin to deal with real people. Without love, you are nothing. That's what the Bible says. It is the main thing. Why? Because love is patient. Love is kind. It it has a long fuse. It's not about the other person envying what someone else has or what kind of ministry they have or what kind of car they drive or house they have or how many numbers they have in their church or the person that you work with every day, what they're doing. It's not about that. It's not about pride and being puffed up. You see a lot of preachers, and I know that I am one, we can strut sitting down. We don't even have to get up. You see, the fact is, we are going to have to get in line with God's Word. We talk about revival in our land. There's not going to be any revival in our land until there's revival in the pulpit. 
until the men of God fall on our faces before God and begin to love people again. And the only way you can really, truly, supernaturally love people is to see yourself as you are, as broken before God, as unworthy before God. No one owes us anything. The church doesn't owe us anything. You say, oh, what about those passages that say worthy of double honor and so forth? Yes, that's for the true man of God, not a hireling. If the first thing you're interested in when you talk with a church is how many dollars you're going to get, what is the vacation time, what are the benefits, how many secretaries you're going to have. I had a very well-known, wealthy layman say to me not too long ago, he said, I think I can get in to see the president easier than I can my pastor. Guys, I understand. I understand. I've been in a large church. I've served in a large church, one of the largest in the world. And I protected that pastor. But then when I got into a large church, oh, maybe not as large as yours, but it was large enough. It was large enough to have a large staff, have large ministries. But anyone will tell you, I still made time to see people because you see, people are our business. The ministry is serving God and loving people because God loves people. And so... The scripture goes on to say that love what it's not and what it is. And as you read through there, you will see it is the epitome of Jesus. You see, you can't say this about anybody. I don't care who it is. Name your pastor. Name your evangelist in history or in the future. You put their name there. Love always suffers long, is always kind. You put somebody's name in there. Does not envy, does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And you put their name and they never fail? No, no, no. That's not anyone except our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the absolute perfect one. And if he did not give us his perfection, we would have no hope for eternity with the Father in heaven. You see, he not only forgives us, but he enables us to love people. He gives us his love, his righteousness. And so, friend, we'll talk more about it. But let's get back to the main thing and we'll see how evangelism really is easy. It's easier. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody you talk to is going to come to Jesus. But I can tell you, nobody wants what you have unless you're filled with love. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.